been faithful to you? Yes. Through good times? Yes. Bad times? Yes. Troubles when you didn't know what in the world to do and which way to turn and he was right there with you. Amen. And that gives us confidence we can have faith that he'll be with us tomorrow because he was with us yesterday. Amen. That's right. God bless you. So good to be together tonight in the presence of the Lord. Let's turn, if you would, again tonight to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. I know y'all think I'm never going to get done on this honeymoon, but it covers a thousand years. So, <clears throat> grant me, grant me a few months anyway. Praise the Lord. Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse ten. <clears throat> my beloved spake and said unto me, "Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past." The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds is come. And the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs. And the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Won't that be wonderful to hear those words? Let's pray together. I mean, I'd like to be remembered tonight before the Lord. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful tonight that we can bring our desires, our needs, our petitions before your throne. Lord, we can even bring our shame. We can bring our shortcomings. We can bring our failures and lay them before you and know that you are faithful. We're not, Lord. We make so many mistakes. But yet we are so grateful that your work in us will achieve faithfulness that will help us to attain to that place of what you want us to be. As we've assembled here tonight, Lord, in this place, how many times have we gathered here on Saturday night? And none of us can say in all truth and reality that you have ever failed us one time, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, whenever it is. 
And we're so grateful for that. Lord, we just pray that you would help us tonight. You know, there's many needs among us. and Lord, some are still sick. Lord, a couple having surgery this week and various things going on in people's lives. But we're looking to you tonight to help us, to catch us up into your presence, Father. That we might be able, if it would just, as it were, for a moment, to be able to lose sight of this world where we could be caught into a glimpse of our future home which awaits us. It would help us so much. When Paul was carried away, the man was changed forever. When Brother Branham was carried beyond the curtain of time, he said, I can never be the same Brother Branham again. So there's something about catching your people up into a place to help them see what lays before them. It affects us in a powerful way. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. For it's in your wonderful, precious, precious name that we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So before your honeymoon can start, there must be a regeneration. The earth will have to be straightened back up again. She'll not be able to be properly in the right atmosphere or the right rays of the sun or the moon with her being under the old order. So she must be brought back under the first day because the first and the seventh are reflecting the same thing. So it's the terms that the Lord Jesus used as we looked at it weekend before last whenever we spoke on this of the word regeneration. Let's read it. Matthew nineteen twenty seven. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Now remember, this is not as Son of God in the church ages. The Lord Jesus is not sitting on his throne. But in the millennium, he will be the embodiment of the presence of God on the throne of David, which will be classified as his throne. Notice he says, those of you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, so he's moved out of priesthood into kingship, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, I'm not going to attempt to try to pronounce this Greek word, but I want you to look at it with me, the word regeneration, which means new birth or reproduction or renewal, recreation, or the word that we use, English, recreation. Recreation, the production of a new life consecrated to God. The word often used to denote the restoration of a thing to its pristine state 
its renovation as a renewal or restoration of life after death. The renovation of the earth after the deluge. The renewal of the world to take place after its destruction by fire. So this is what the Lord Jesus has in mind. Whenever Peter says, now Lord, we've given up our reputation, we've given up our honor, we've given up our jobs, we've given up our houses, our lands, everything. So what are you going to give us back? Now, I love the way Jesus approaches this because Judas at this time is still there with them. So Jesus says, those of you who follow me in the regeneration, which excluded Judas right there. Those of you who follow through with me in the regening of the earth or the world, you will be able to sit with me on 12 thrones. Now, the Lord Jesus doesn't go to the rewards first. He doesn't go to what they're going to get first, but he goes through the process by which they must get it first, which is the regeneration. Now, he's speaking, of course, in kingdom terms, which this is the only place in the Gospels that he mentions it quite this way. So the regeneration will be in the resurrection at the period, at the beginning or the birth of the Messianic kingdom. Watch, he says in Matthew 26, 29, I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Mark 14, 25. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more the fruit of the vine until that day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now notice how this is expressed by the different writers. For Luke 22, 18. I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Notice Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Now, all these are kingdom messianic scriptures now. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, he shall send Jesus Christ, which was preached before unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, or rebirth, or a new beginning. So here now Luke the writer also places it in the same way that Jesus does and that is the regeneration or the restitution of all things. Notice 2 Peter 3.13 Nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, here the Lord is going to be able to bring the earth back to its pristine state. Now, in order for us to understand this, let us go back, if we can, back into Genesis chapter 1. Because in the book of Genesis, of course, Genesis is the seed book or the seed chapter of the Bible. Now, I love Genesis myself, don't you? Genesis is a great unfolding, not of what God was just doing then, but if you catch the very thought of Genesis, it repeats itself, of course, again in the New Testament and also in the end time. 
time. And what we'd like to do is pick up at the status of the earth in Genesis 1-6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now this is a strange word to us. It's not something that we use very much. But it was an expanse or a vault in the heavens by which God was placing something there to divide the waters. Now listen, the earth now was in this state after Genesis 1-1 and God said let there be light. You know we find it further on but God in Genesis 1-1 when God began it, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, and the earth was out without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. So as we've been through it before, something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. So here in verse 6, we see the earth as God is bringing it back into view again. A great cataclysmic change has happened to the earth and God is reversing the earth and he's bringing it forth as a woman does in the birth, the stage of childbirth. And that is through water. So God out of water is going to bring the earth into a furthering of his plan of what he wants to do. Now the earth was born in the water and born out of the water. Now you're looking at me peculiar, but hopefully I can explain it to you where it makes sense. And this is one thing that is going to be necessary in order for the earth to be used, and that is, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Now God is actually speaking to the waters as if the they are of one volume and of one body and one consistency. But actually God is fixing to divide the waters. Let's sit this way so you'll understand it. He's going to divide the solid waters that have become solidified from the waters which is fog and mist and vapor and moisture. And God is going to divide them by a great expanse which is totally invisible to our eyes but it is going to be what God is going to identify as a firmament in the heaven. It will become, as it goes on into its generations, as light progressed and had generations, and we see this in Genesis 1 as well, so the heavens also had generations. And so did also the movement of the water on the earth. So now it's very important for us to understand this, to see that God is going to bring the earth back in the millennium state before it was when the Andalusian destruction come upon the earth. Because when the Andalusian destruction came, the atmosphere changed, the firmament changed, the vault of the expanse of the heavens changed, and also the tilt of the earth on its axis as well. But it cannot be brought into the millennium in this type of condition. Praise God. Neither can you be able to walk out with a cane or walk out with dentures or walk out with glasses. You've got to be brought back to your pristine state. Now, we've never been there, but the earth has been. So notice in God puts this vault, is another word that is used for this. He puts this vault up in the heaven. So God looks upon the status of the earth and he says that he wants to divide the waters from the waters. And he's going to use what is going to become in the extension of the generations of this. It will become an invisible something up in the sky, which we would call atmosphere and air. Something that we take for granted basically every day of our 
life but that could not exist we could not exist neither could plants or animals without the atmosphere that God placed upon the earth now even as far as what we know the atmosphere today it is still in a very fallen state it has never been what it was in the pristine condition when Adam lived upon the earth so God puts this vault or this firmament in the heaven and it will be the structure that will keep this portion of the water uh, separate from the waters which will be upon the face of the earth which God later will gather the solidified mass of water on the earth and he will call them seas and ponds and rivers and so on and so on but God divides the moisture according to its density and puts a vault or a firmament up there and he said I want you to stay up here I want you to hang here and then I want this heavy heavy volume of water this mass which weighs much more hydrogen and oxygen of course but as you know that if it weighed exactly the same the ocean could not be in the sky because it's too heavy we know that so God divided it according to its density and he placed it upon the earth now at this state remember though there were no storms there were no tornadoes or anything like that and even when Adam was placed upon the earth there had been no rain so God irrigated the earth by these fountains which come up from under so the lighter parts of the water were then were suspended up by this overspread vault over it and the heavier mass of the water laid upon the earth so this is the interval of the space of time that God was able to separate and what's he doing he's actually allowing the earth to come forth in the process of a new birth so the earth is being born out of the water so the water has now broke on the earth and God broke the water on the earth by his spoken word and then God put this firmament up there this expanse in the heavens and God separated when he did that then the water started dividing and they started coming together in their appropriate density that God had placed them now notice in the heavenly bodies that God is placing out there so they correlate with the earth the moon the sun all that that it will be able to affect these waters even as they're upon the earth and notice in verse 7 and God made the firmament so the liquid part is staying down here now this is what is going to break up in the Andalusian destruction it was not just that rain great amounts of rain came down out of the sky but the scripture says the fountains of the deep broke up so God ordered them to be held within the contents of the earth praise the Lord so we are carried in our mother's womb and we are surrounded by water and it's one way that she knows of course that we're getting ready to come to the earth when the water breaks so here the earth is carried about in water as it were and yet her birth also from the Andalusian destruction is going to be again that the water is going to break then what will follow that will come the blood which will be under Christ the second step of sanctification and then the new birth or the baptism of the Holy Ghost 
Notice in verse 7, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So God then places the atmosphere, the air, the firmament, the vault, and the heavens, and God uses that to be able to divide the waters. And as we've looked at it before, that God even put channels according to the book of Job and how the rain would fall. Now you take water and put it in a five-gallon bucket and you pour that water out and I, I challenge you, I challenge anybody in this building or any scientist or anyone else to be able to pour that water out and drop it form the way hundreds of millions of gallons fall out of the sky in a summer downpour and how they can fall out one drop at a time. You do that with a glass of water. You do that with just a little old tiny glass of water. You don't have the ability to do it. So when God made the expanse of the firmament in the heaven, he knew that there would come rain. He knew that there would come showers. But he made it so the grace of God, even in the fall, made it so that there would be filters as it was in the firmament and the rain would fall drops at a time instead of five-gallon buckets. Now, can you imagine? You're standing outside somewhere that comes a rain shower, a 50-gallon drum hits you right on top of the head you're dead what if it come out of heaven but how is it that it comes by raindrops cause the almighty made it that way even under the fall the grace of God listen children even under great stress if you look around you'll find raindrops of mercy because the devil would have killed every one of us if he had the opportunity but God even though even though we've not yet been fully redeemed the grace of God is still with us I'm so grateful for that tonight Notice then, so God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. So here we have the firmament or the vault and we have waters which are above it. So what are we talking about? We're talking about what we know as our atmosphere or the air. So there is moisture which is kept above it. How does it stay up there? It's God's spoken word. Now why don't the ocean go up? It does. It goes up by the process of God allowing the sun to be able to draw it up and as it comes upon the earth you see this is why that we need the oceans on the earth now but in the new earth John looked around and he said I saw no more sea you know why they won't be needed to be able to affect the moisture and the water content and make the storms that's on the earth right now well praise the Lord but we do need them now but in the new earth there'll be no reason for them well, thank God. Notice now. So he made the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. But now this is not the place of God's abode. But it's what we look up into and we call heaven. But it's not the heaven of heavens, but it is simply the air or the expanse of the atmosphere by which God uses to be able to separate the waters. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second. So the word here translated again in this verse being firmament means expanse and it comes from a Hebrew word which means to spread out or literally let there be something between the earth and the heavens which will hold something back. So God now puts this there. It's there. It's been there every day of your life. Of course, most of us pay hardly any attention to it at all because it's something that we really don't think about that much. But yet without that being there, there could be no life upon the earth. 
And you know, when you look at the moon and you see that the moon itself has no atmosphere, most of the other planets which science has been able to send their, uh, their you know, scientific research equipment and so on, there's no atmosphere by which a human being can live. In order to get out there, they've got to have all kinds of masks and all kinds of suits and so on. Why don't you have one? Because God put the mask on the earth itself. God put a suit on the earth. If you've ever seen a picture of her from outer space and you look and see that little blue ring all around her and they give her the name of the blue planet that of course is the ozone layer that God puts on the outside oh I know we got people scared to death she's going to be annihilating 20, 10 years or 20 years no many of them will be but the earth won't be because the earth is one of God's attributes she's not going anywhere praise the Lord I said she's not going anywhere because the Almighty placed her there. So this vault, as if God put it into existence, and there it is every day of our life. It's there to shield us from the extremity of the sun. It's there to be able to create this livable atmosphere. And we can look here at day two and see what God is doing. And now we can look back, of course, in retrospect and realize what was God doing? He was making the earth habitable for man. Now remember, each one of these days was a thousand-year period. Now there's so much that went on. And, and you know what we would look at and call a day. There were so many things that God was doing. The atmosphere that was going to be above the waters, hanging right above the earth. And then when you climb up in an airplane and you go up 32,000, 37,000, 41,000 feet, whatever it is, and then they have to have the cabin pressurized. And if it loses that, what will happen? These oxygen masks will fall right out of the little thing in front of you because you won't be able to live. You go that far above the earth, five, six miles above the earth, you won't be able to live because God put the atmosphere hovering right over the church. I mean the world. So you need to be where church is so you can breathe the right kind of stuff. You get just a little bit above the zone where the church lives and you'll, I'll tell you what you'll happen, you'll die. Well, praise the Lord. That's why Satan don't want you to come to the house of God. Come on now, saints, say amen. Because that atmosphere just runs so high. Oh, it's beautiful up there, absolutely beautiful and blue. My, it's something to look at, but you can't live. God never made man to live on the moon. I don't know why they keep trying to send people up there. They can go to Mars and Jupiter and wherever they want to go. God never put us on Mars. God put us here. This is where God wanted us, and this is where the bride is going to be. And guess what? This is where the groom is going to be as well. So the waters then, God is now bringing it into view because as we look in day two, we can see the very thought of God that he's doing something different about the earth. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't go into any detail about any of the other planets. It doesn't mention Jupiter, doesn't mention Mars, Uranus, Saturn, Pluto, none of them. It mentions none of them by name. Or it mentions some constellations. No individual star. God called the earth's name. He wrote her name in the book of life, the Bible. And God called her name. And God gave the particulars about her existence. And God had the author Moses in the book of Genesis to write. No doubt Moses called up in division as the Spirit of God began to move upon him. And he sees the expanse. Imagine my vision, the fourth dimension. As he's standing there, Brother Darrell, before the dawn of time, when he saw that great thing happening, just watching there as it was like a, oh, something just a whirling around and all the darkness 
that was there. And he sees this expanse coming upon the earth and the blueness of the sky and the ozone and the hydrogen and the oxygen, the carbon, the carbon monoxide, all these things that God was creating and bringing all this into view. And then he sees this expanse by the spoken word as it comes over the entirety of the earth. And he stands there in awe as the great creator begins to unfold his mystery of what he has in his mind. What's he doing? He's unfolding the book of life of what he wants to do this earth for. Amen. God has a purpose for this earth. Why? The earth is identified in the feminist form and God needed a place to sow his seed. Amen. God's making a place where he can receive the seed of the word. His son, Adam. Woo. You understand the atmosphere of this earth is absolutely necessary for the transmission of sound. If there was no atmosphere, a bell could ring, a cannon could fire, a musical instrument could play, but we couldn't hear it. A bird could sing, but we couldn't hear it without atmosphere. We could talk, but we couldn't hear without atmosphere. Sometimes I wish there was no atmosphere then. <laughs> some of the stuff some folks say, don't you? Man, that's all we need to pray around these politicians, don't we? Let their atmosphere dry up. But think of it now. Something that we take for granted every day of our life just by talking and me speaking and you being able to hear. By the piano being able to be chorded by the drums or the guitars or whatever more. You know, and you think something like that. Why did God do it? Because it's all part of placing his sons and daughters on the earth so they can communicate. Think what it would be if we could not hear. Think of what it could be on this earth. You talking about a prison that we would be in. We couldn't hear one another. We couldn't hear birds. We couldn't hear the ripping of the water. But God said, I don't just want my young ones there. I want them happy. I want them communicating. I want them talking to me, them talking to each other. Oh, praise God. I want them to be able to hear the birds sing. I want them to hear music. I want them to hear praise and worship. I want my children to live in this world Think of it, children. All that he went through to bring us, and most of us don't even thank him for it. You know, people who don't understand sound systems, they say, why in the world don't them brothers set that sound system and leave it alone? And it'll be the same every night. That's an ignorant person saying that. They don't know what they're talking about. Now, the speed of sound is not like the speed of light, which moves at 186,000 miles per second, which is not affected by barometric pressure. It's not affected by any of those things like that, but the speed of sound actually varies according to temperature, according to barometric pressure. You set the sound of the church PA system here tonight at a certain decibel and set it at the slide at a certain place in the morning when we have more folks here. You know what? There'll be more 
people here, Lord willing, in the morning, that will have clothes on. Each one of you that has these clothes right here, this is an absorbent of a sound wave. So when the sound comes out, believe it, it's said exactly the same. It won't sound the same because according to the moisture, if we run the heat in the wintertime, we run the air conditioner in the summertime, the amount of moisture and humidity in the air. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all didn't want this science class tonight, did you? But yeah, you see, God did all of that and yet every one of us are being able to communicate tonight because he put this on the earth. Oh, because of his love for us. Well, praise God. You see, the earth's atmosphere around us, it's seldom seen, seldom felt, very little talked about, of course, unless you'd be worked for the Weather Channel or somebody like that. And yet it's, it's one thing in our lives that we would be so, so different were it not for the atmosphere that God placed upon this earth. It's the same way thing with a child of God. A child of God is more than a bunch of do's and don'ts. A child of God, God wants you to live in a child of God atmosphere. I don't want to just be a child of God by profession. I don't want to be just a Christian by profession. I want to live in an atmosphere. I want to be able to hear, especially him. I want to be able to hear you. I want to be able to worship. Come on, saints. I want a child of God atmosphere. And my God never intended for me to be down every day. My God never intended for me to be depressed. My God said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper my God came to the earth and he bore my chastisement so that I could have peace so that I could have joy I wish somebody would have church with me tonight he wants me to have an atmosphere he wants you and I to live in a world where the Holy Ghost is our guide our comfort our peace our health our paracletos You realize without our atmosphere, plants couldn't live? There'd be no leaves. There'd be no trees. There'd be no flowers. There'd be no birds. Praise God. The earth is a beautiful place, but take our atmosphere away from it, she becomes an old drabby thing. That's the way Christians can become. You understand without atmosphere, a candle couldn't burn? You know, as well as I do, look in the wintertime when the weather's fixing to change and people who burn, who burn wood stoves or have coal and you watch that smoke, you know it as well as I do, and you watch that smoke when it comes up so high and it arrives above their houses, arrives above your neighborhood, and then all of a sudden instead of going straight up, it'll turn and start going this way. Barometric pressure is affecting how that smoke rises. Then you watch as the barometric pressure changes, and instead of that smoke coming up and going this way, why should it do that? There's a pressure. It's the expanse above it. That's the way our prayers become sometimes. That's the way it becomes when we come to the house of God. The pressure above us, demons trying to wall off the blessings of God and it seemed like our prayers go no higher than our head and they go up so far and then they go this way and that way and that way and then there's other times when you get down on your knees and you ain't been down there five minutes and all of a sudden you broke through and boy your smoke went straight to the throne of God but yet that's part of life that's part of the barometric pr oh Lord I'm fixing to have revival right here that's part of being a child 
of God and living under this earth. But friend, I'm telling you tonight, we are heading for a honeymoon when there ain't going to be no trouble. We are heading for a honeymoon when there ain't going to be no more downs and outs and low places in life. You understand the eagle couldn't fly without an atmosphere. Sometimes that's what happens to you. You ain't lost your Holy Ghost. You ain't lost your salvation. Your atmosphere's changed and got you grounded. You feel like you need a revival. You ever get to that spot you feel like you need a revival? While you're missing them heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and the devil's there, all oh, your bats say, You're this. Say, Shut up, devil. I ain't back. Said, I'm born an eagle. I'm still an eagle. I'm a child of God. The barometric pressure may be holding me down. The barometric Laodicean pressure may be on me. But you ain't gonna keep me down long, devil, because I was born to rise above these things. I was born to soar in heavenly places in Christ. God give me the ability to be able to create an atmosphere right in the middle of Laodicea right in the middle of darkness let the world do what they want to do let them grope in darkness we have light let them gross in suicide we have peace and life and resurrection Genesis 1-9 and God said Let the waters under the firmament, heaven, be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. Can you imagine trillions and trillions and trillions of gallons of water when the word went out of this light? And he said, let it be gathered in one place and let the dry land appear. The angels didn't have to go down their fans in their hand or rent a fan down at the rental place. But when he said dry land, dry land appeared. That's my daddy. Let the dry land appear and it was so. And God called the dry land earth. Earth. See, he called her name. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Praise God. Now what's 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 4? <clears throat> Dealing with the spirit of blasphemy of people that would make fun of the coming of the Lord. And he says, saying, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens which were of old, And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So the earth was standing out of the water 
and standing in the water. Just as God's word commanded the waters to be gathered together in seas and then the light or volume waters to be able to raise up in this expanse of the vault of the heavens, even so God will use water to also bring destruction upon this earth. Now remember the stage that we pick up here in Genesis 1-6 is not the first time the stage of the earth appears. It's actually she's been here several times. Praise the Lord. So as the water gave birth to the earth out of the water's womb, as it was, the dry land appears and it comes into view. God will also cause the same thing to happen after the Andaluvian destruction. Notice, so the second day of creation when the earth was formed out of the water. Now here she's actually formed and God is bringing her out of the water. And then God raises part of the water up and part of the water he forms in seas and part of the water he forms down in the reservoirs in the earth itself to keep in store for later use. Praise God. Second Peter 3, 6, whereby the world that then was, notice now, so it was in the water and out of the water. Now he moves into verse 6. The world that then was, now notice he's talking about another world other than the one he's living on now, Peter. That world. So whenever God would let it pass from one stage to another, it's as if though God would address it as another world. Sort of like you're another person when you're truly born again. Notice whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now the world then that was in Genesis 1 was not the world that it became in Genesis 1-2. And then down through verses 9. Now whenever we come into the end of instruction, we look at the world that then was and God allowed it to be wiped off. The part that was totally submerged, that was in the water, and then it starts coming out of the water, and when it does, it's a brand new place. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things become new. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. So did God make a new world? Not exactly. It was new in this stage, but it was the same one. Well, praise the Lord. Notice whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but yet God identifies as if though that it died. Verse seven, but the heavens and the earth which are now Oh, so we have a different stage of it. So actually something has happened to the heavens and something has happened to the earth. So they're not the same as they was before the Andalusian destruction. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against that, notice now, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the earth that is now is not going to be your future home. Ain't even going to be your millennium home. It will be, but it won't be. I mean, it won't be, but it will be. Does that make sense? 
Now, this earth must pass away. Glory to God. So it will be a brand new creation in the same old temple. It will be still under sanctification, of course, and it will come up out of their mind. It will be in its pristine condition, and it will be straightened back up again. But God had to let it pass away. Notice Genesis 1.10, and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together the waters called his seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so. Praise God. Notice Psalms 24.1. A Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas. And established it upon the floods. Who would build an earth the size of this one on seas? Who would establish it on floods? Don't you see yourself? Any of your brothers want to build a big, nice home on, on seas, on water, on water floating around? How can you pour concrete on water? But look how God does out of something that's unstable. Something that is so impermanent that moves and shifts. And out of that, God builds and brings forth his earth. Out of trials which come and go. Out of difficulties. Notice what, what happened to your trial. Have any of you got a trial that's been with you since you've been in existence? Look, trials come and go. They get stronger. They get worse. They get harder. They get better. But they're all the time changing. And out of that, God will bring his people to a stability that money could never do, that wealth could never do, that the things of the world, education, knowledge, it can never do. And God said, out of those waves, out of those shifting sands, out of those difficulties, I will bring my people out and make them a work of such marvel. I will cause the angels to look at them and all. He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Psalms 104 verse 5, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. How in the world would you lay the foundation of the planet out in the atmosphere? What would you tie to? There ain't nothing to tie your rebar to. There ain't nothing to lay as far as concrete. <laughs> Thou coveredest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke, they fled. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. Praise be to God. Notice David temporarily been carried back now on the earth is in this status. Remember now, this is not after when she's first made. This is after a destruction. This is after she's passed from one form to another. And the waters have gathered together. And there the waters is right over the top of the mountains. And he said, he gathered them. He caused it and he spoke his thunders 
help her to see who she was. At thy rebuke, they fled the voice of thy thunder. They hasted away. They go up by thy mountains. They go down by the valleys. When God speaks to waters, they go to heading out of Dodge. They're looking for a way out. There may not be no way, but they're fixing to gather because God said, leave. I love it that way when tribulation or trouble comes, don't you? And God tells the waters to part. God said, all right, that's enough. Get out. Get out. You've aggravated him long enough. You've aggravated her long enough. Get out. Boy, they go to cutting Grand Canyons and they go to cutting the Grand Canyons over here and there. Why? Because God said, leave you alone. Praise God. God said, get away from you, and they go to leave. And listen now, David said, at thy rebuke, they fled. At thy voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. They didn't start out drip, drip, drip. They were bold on me like the whole dam broke loose. And they got out of there and said, I'm leaving this place. Why? God has a need of dry land. Praise be to God. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast found it for them. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, friends. That's what I'm looking for when I'm in dark valleys myself. I'm looking for the hole where that water needs to go. Amen. I know there's got to be one somewhere because I ain't no fish. God never made me a fish. I wasn't intended to stay in waters of trouble all the time. Come on, somebody. I wasn't intended. I'm a dry land man. Amen. I was made. God put man on the earth. He didn't bring him out of the water. God made him on the earth. I ain't no fish. I ain't no octopus. I love dry ground. So when I go through trouble far enough, I think, Lord, there's got to be some dry land somewhere for me to set my feet and shout a little bit. It's hard to shout in mud. Praise God. Woo! Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over. That they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth his springs unto the valleys which run among the hills. Now let's go to the seventh morning. So I can see this man. As he stands up on the earth, he's lifeless. His toes are like roots sticking down in the ground. He's standing there like this. He's not breathing. He's not moving. He has the mechanics, the organs, the bones, the tissue, the sinew. It's all there. But God has never put the man in chapter 1 into the man in chapter 2 yet. So he just made him there like a hole. And the prophet said he stood there with his toes down in the, in the dirt and the mud. But he's lifeless. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. Then God places him in this garden. Notice the prophet said in God's power to transform. Now the headquarters with his son and his son's bride over it all. 
It looked so perfect. There was a man, the head of it all, his own son and his bride. And every seed was perfect. The palms, the oaks, and the grass, and the birds, and the animals. And everything was in perfect order with the commandment of God. Don't change your nature. Bring forth of its kind. Every seed, oak, don't you never be perverted into a pawpaw tree. Palm, don't you be perverted into something else, but every seed after its kind. After he had watched it through the times, and he spoke his word, and his great creative power had formed these things that come up. And even the man and the woman, and they were the head because they were the super to all the other races. And he put them also under a care of the same thing that he put the trees, animals, and so forth, his word. They must not never, by no means, break that word. They must stay there. Don't never take anything from it or add anything to it. You must live by this word. And as long as that creation would have existed like that, Sister Shakarian would have had to went this morning. Sister Shakarian had just passed that morning. And notice he says that what wouldn't have to went this morning as long as it would have stayed that way. God great, God's great economy. Listen, it's what we believe that we are headed back to. We're going back to that spot, that place where that seventh morning. So where is he depicting Adam and Eve? In the seventh morning, made on the sixth day, placed in the Garden of Eden. The sixth now runs into the seventh, into God's millennium. So here was Adam and Eve on the dawn of the seventh morning. Where? The seventh morning when God looked upon it all and said, it's good. I'm pleased with it. Yeah. You imagine God saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, listen to these words. I'm glad I did it. Praise God. I'm glad I did it. It's now all under control. And I put trust in my son and his wife that they will make them head of it all and they'll watch over it and see that it's all right, that everything will bring forth of its kind. Now he has the power to do it. And God said, well, if it's all so good, and it can't be anything else because it's my own desire. You hear that, devil? Don't you understand what the millennium is? It's his desire. It's his desire to bring you to a spot to where you're not going to have gray hairs, brothers and sisters. You're not going to have dentures and wear glasses and have sickness and blood pressure and all kinds of problems. It's his desire for you to live in a body that you'll never age, never have an ache or a pain. It's my own desire. It's the way I want it. I have spoken it that way and my words has brought it just exactly the way I wanted it. And there it is. It's all good. So the Bible said God rested the seventh day from all of his works and everything under control to bring forth of its kind. Never remember to bring when he put the seed, every seed come forth from the power of life within it. 
Every seed come forth with the power of life from within it to transform it. Oh, glory to God. To transform it from a seed to a plant or whatever it was, his transforming power. Now God put the seed in there with the potentials that it would be what he said it would be. Well, glory to God. If God put an apple in the earth or an apple seed, I guarantee you one thing. If God's seed's inside of you tonight, then everything he wants it to be will mature if you'll stay in the right atmosphere. But you got to read, you got to pray, you got to be in the right atmosphere for it to grow. If it don't become that, it ain't God's fault, it's yours, it's mine. Oh my as long as it stayed in that category, it been just exactly what God said it would be. It had to be that way because he'd made it that way. Made a channel that anything that stays in his channel on the line of his word, it'll bring forth exactly like his word said it would do. It cannot move from there. You believe it, saints? It channeled just exactly right so everything in the trust of his own son, that he would be that way. Then God said, it's all so good. I'll just rest. And each one of those seeds has power in itself. To transform itself into the species that I desire it to be. Praise God. That's what it must be. Because I have given every seed transforming power. Then you tell me what sickness, what disease, what Laodicean setback can change you from being what God ordains you to be. To make out of itself it's in its potentials now. To make out of itself exactly what I want it to be. God has never changed. Just the same today as he was then, God is determined to do something. All right, Happy Valley, listen to this. God determined to do something, he'll do it. Nothing is going to stop it. He'll do it. That's right. Really? You believe it? But the man in God's millennium chooses to forfeit his rights to life, to control, to dominion, to Godship. Now God must act again. This time he will act different than when the vice regent of the earth, the great archangel, was given his power. He will totally respond in a complete different way. <laughs> he must now, because man was made in correlation to the earth, he must identify man's judgment in his dominion. Since man's body was taken from the earth, if man's body falls, then man's mother must also bear punishment. So the judgment that God is going to bring upon him is going to be in three parts. We know, of course, God is just. You believe that? Amen. The ground is cursed. 
because of them. And the earth's never done anything. The earth's never smoked, the earth's never lied, the earth's never listened to the devil, but the earth, because it was Adam's domain, then the earth was cursed. It had produced such progeny, such fruit, such an abundance of fruit that Adam never raised one drop of sweat, the way you see me perspiring tonight. Adam never had a garden like you and I. He never had to get out there and till and grub around and pull out the weeds. There were no weeds. It was not a toil. It was not a labor. It was a pleasure, which is what the word Eden means. God said, dress it and keep it. He never been over and had to chop out weeds and get up on my backs, kill them. He never had no pain. There wasn't no weeds, there wasn't no thorns, there wasn't no thistles. Every good plant and produced in such abundance. Oh my. But God now says, because you have done this, the earth will be cursed. Secondly, you will live by the sweat of your face. And the earth will provide. But you'll have to grub. And you'll have to dig. And you'll have to work and work. To get it to do it. All thorns, thistles, briars and all that will multiply like crazy. Some of y'all was probably wondering after I give you the names of some of them thorns and briars and thistles and wondering how in the world they didn't take over. My dear wife asked me after I got home, she said, how in the world did them things not take over the whole planet? I said, the grace of God. Same way troubles and tests and trials don't absolutely destroy us, the grace of God. That's right, because they certainly do know how to grow in our old flesh. I don't mind telling you, I've got a real good garden spot right here for briars and thorns and thistles and cockleberries. Now, y'all put down your angelic wings and your angelic opinion of yourself and go ahead and say the same thing with me. You never have to put no miracle grow in that old garden flesh of yours. It automatically gives a good growth for bitterness and anger and strife and jealousy and law. Come on now, preach with me. And lust and everything else. This old body is absolutely got to be brought subject to the life on the inside. But it will be a pain it will bother you all every day that you live on the earth but the good thing about it is it bothers you because when you was in the world it didn't bother you before it was a pleasure Adam just go around rearrange the leaves anything need to be cut off trim just kind of take all day Perfect. Mm. Oh, I'm going to take a break. Mm. Oh, so good. 30 minute break after eating that apple and got up and walked around and said, Oh, look at that plum. I love plums. I mean, I don't, but maybe Adam said that. Oh. I'm going to take another break. <laughs> Boy, heaven sounds like where some of you all want to go tonight. <laughs> but God says now, because you've done what you've done, you'll labor, you'll sweat. The second phase of this is you'll labor and you'll labor 
But the third phase is the end decreed by God that no man wants to hear. And that is, out of the dust you was taken. And to the dust you will go back. I will give Satan claim on your body. You will return to the ground. Come on, saints. Oh, I know we don't like it. Genesis 3.18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Isn't it amazing that I already went from eating the fruits off the tree to eating animal food? The herbs was for the animal kingdom. Now God demotes him. And he said, no more fruits from paradise. Somebody ought to be shouting about right now. You understand how blessed we are in this age to be eaten from the fruits of the tree of life again? You understand where the majority of Christendom is from? They're still eating the Reformation stuff. They're still eating what this theologian hatched out and that one hatched out. But God has already allowed the tree of life to be blooming inside of us already right now. And we're eating precious fruits and revelations from the Word of God. Oh, Brother Donnie, are you sure? I'm sure it's going to be your diet that's going to change your body. Oh, blessed be the Lord. The fruits from the tree of paradise would not be fitting for Adam's aging body, but he must have a diet to match his body. It's the same thing for you that God's already started feeding you angel food and fruit off of the tree again in order to get your soul all fed up and matured in the Word so it'll lead your body to a body change. Let's stand. To such a low condition, the man now falls. Instead of reaching up here to get his food, now he looks down this way. And remember, those of you who feed all the time down here and keep your eyes down here, that's the way the horses, cows, dogs, cats. Praise the Lord. Notice verse 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. So now God curses the ground. Reduces the productivity of the ground. And then after he curses it, he tells Adam, and guess what? You are going back to the ground. Lord Jesus, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art. But you got to keep this straight now. He ain't talking to the man in Genesis 1. Because the man in Genesis 1 wasn't dust. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's talking to the man in Genesis 2. For out of the dust the Lord God brought the man. So he directs the word. But when him and his wife start out the garden and the prophet looked at him, he said, such a love. And he come down that pillar far and stopped them before they went out and said, I promise I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. What man's he talking to? Genesis 1 man. Praise God. Do you understand Enoch? Enoch. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Enoch actually got to spend time with Adam. You imagine him walking in a cafe or a restaurant. Here's this old guy sitting over in the corner. All these people sitting around him. And he not going over and sitting down. He's a young guy. 300 of them. That was a young guy. <laughs> so he goes in and just sits down as a young guy would do. Out of respect to his elders. And they'd say, Adam, tell us what was it like. Brothers, I, I've told you all that so many times. But would you tell it once more? Well, it was just something. It was every day he'd come down in the cool of the day. And we'd hear his voice coming through that atmosphere that he'd created. And he'd say, children, have you enjoyed your stay on earth today? And me and my wife would say, oh, yes, Papa. Everything was so perfect. And he'd say, Papa's come down to kiss you goodnight. I wanted to tuck you in. Missed y'all today. We missed you, Papa. So he'd lay me down and all of a sudden my eyes would start getting heavy. And I'd start batting my eyes and he'd stretch my arm out and he laid, laid my wife Eve right there on my shoulder and I kind of put my arm over her like that, and she'd just lay it kind of on my shoulder, my chest. And I'd take her blonde hair and kind of pull it back. I'd say, good night, sweetheart. She said, good night, sweetheart. And Papa would just back out of our, our bedroom, which was a beautiful forest. And the angels would talk one to another, Father, he looks just like you. That attribute that went out of you, theophany. He looks just like that theophany, that image. He's got your eyes. He's got your mouth. Praise God. You imagine Enoch sitting there thinking, Oh, wow. I'd love to have been able to Walked with God. Praise God. Imagine go home, tell his wife and tell his kids and everybody. I'll tell you when they went over and 
When Adam was saying that today, I felt so funny. I just felt like I was there somehow, and I felt like I wanted to be there. But he, when he mentioned that about walking with God, it, it done something to me. Praise God. Listen, children. These are not fictitious stories. These are not things that have been made up by old people who's trying to give you a pipe dream. This is God's Word. God's Word. We are right on the brink of the dawn of the last seventh morning. For the millennium will be the last day of the week of time. Think of it. The last day of the week of time. Praise God. When the earth, before the antediluvian destruction, stood up like this, men with their scientific research and atomic power bloated out in the flood, then it caused it to tilt over and it caused the polar caps to freeze north and south. But man with his atomic power will blow it back in again toward the sun. Remember at one time there was 360 days a year on the earth, 30 days to a month. Now we have 365 and a quarter in leap year, you understand? What happened? The revolutions of the earth slowed, slowed. And it made it take it longer to get around. But God's perfect calendar is 30 days to a month, which is the time of the millennium. Praise. He's going to reset the clock. Praise God. What's he going to do? He's going to bring her out. He's going to give birth to her again. He's going to bring her out and give birth and start. Oh, praise God. How many wants to be there? The first earth, we'll call it this way, the first earth after Genesis 1-2. The perfect place. Beautiful paradise. That earth becomes changed and sinful. Then God brings out another stage in the Andalusian destruction. Now we're fixing to go into another stage where that one will be destroyed, perished, apocalumino, passed from one stage to another, getting ready for the last, the eighth day. And those of you who follow with Him in the regeneration will follow in the regeneration of this planet. Those who do not follow with Him in the regeneration and the rest of the dead live not till the thousand years were finished. And after the thousand years were expired, Satan was loosed out of his prison for a little season. He goes about upon the earth to gather together the nations, to gather them to Gog and to Magog to battle. And there he will deceive them and they will come against the holy city. That's those who miss the regeneration. Don't you want to go? God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. So where are we tonight? In the sweat of our face. 
Not just doing your laboring, your natural work, my brother, sister. But growing to be a child of God. It's so much easier to cater to the flesh. Just listen to the flesh. Be lazy, be complacent, be whatever the flesh wants you to be. If you're going to be an on-fire Christian in this hour, you're going to have to push. You'll have to push through the coldness of Laodicea. Sometimes you'll have to come to church when you don't feel like coming. You'll have to pray when you don't feel like praying. There'll be times you'll have to clap your hands. It'll be a labor. But either you do it or you die. The choice is up to you. You can still come and still be a member here. But you won't have that atmosphere. The spiritual hydrogen and oxygen and the the vault, the expanse that separates you from the weighted down of the trials. You become overwhelmed with the things of this life. But if God has created within you the spiritual layer of ozone, the vault by which divides you, the separation part, what destroys some, actually pull vaults you into another sphere. Praise God. It depends on what you want it to be. Being a Christian is a lot like being married. You will make a great deal of what your marriage is will be made by you and your husband or you and your wife. I can marry you. I can register your license. I can do all of that. But I cannot make your marriage. That's left up to you. And it depends on what you want it to be. It's the same with a Christian. Oh, you can give your heart to the Lord and be a Christian. But if you want to be a real Holy Ghost filled believer and have a walk with God, it'll cost you every day. But to a real believer, it's worth the cost. Because they want it more than they want anything in this world. Praise God. Praise God. How many wants that with all your heart tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Lord Jesus. Father, we rejoice in one way hearing these things. In another way, it makes us sad. Seeing of what the earth was and what she fell into. Seeing where we are now, Lord, the poor status of earth, the status of the people on the earth. Lord, we're in a terrible shape. Sickness, disease, politics, our government. Lord, our nation is so divided, so much hatred among the people. There's always been diversities because of political parties. But God, the hatred among the people is awful. Racial hatred, raising, Lord, it's terrible. Religious hatred. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly, I pray. Lord, we don't want to be a part of the hatred of this world. Lord God, fill us with your love. Truly, Father, we believe we are astronauts. And a well-trained astronaut knows how. To be able to get inside of a suit and live in a world of their own making. They can go to such harsh places that they could walk on the moon, which would be 76 below zero. No, hardly any atmosphere at all that even a footprint, the footprint made by the first astronaut that walked on the earth, is still there 
because there's no wind, no atmosphere to move the dust around. So the rover prints, the footprints of the astronauts who's walked across it are still there. Lord, to live in such a harsh world, you've given your spiritual astronauts a special diet. Praise God. You've given us a special suit in Christ Jesus. We can live right in the middle of hell and have peace and joy that the world understands nothing about. Thank you for it, Father. We're in our space tube, Jesus Christ, and we are waiting for the countdown. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, if there's one here tonight that's not ready, Father, I pray you would help each of us. Lord, you know how we are. You know our humanity, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. You know how the thorns, the thistles, the briars, how easily they grow. Lord, and sometimes the productivity of your word, we struggle and struggle, Lord, to reach that full productivity of what we desire to be. No doubt many of these Christians, they look at themselves and they think, Lord, where am I? What am I doing, God? What have I done? Lord, we know your prophet tells us that in the last days, it would come to a place that there would be no growth at all. Lord, we'll get to that spot so close to the harvest cycle that there will be changes, but they'll be so small. Lord, because we're not in the early days when this masterpiece was being built out to where the sculptor would use a hammer and a great big chisel and this and that. No, Lord, now we're down to the small, minute creases and little small places that need to be polished out, Father. Oh, hallelujah, the tools get smaller and smaller. For those who know about rock and polishing metals, you may start out, Lord, if they would want to polish a piece of stainless steel, they'd want to bring it to a mirrored finish. They would start out with 40 grit, then they would sand it along in one direction, then they'll go up to 60, and then they'll turn it crossways, and then they'll jump up maybe to 120, and then from there to 220, and they go from there then up to 400, from there to 600, and they're lubricating it each time as they go. Oh, but it's not done yet. They go from 600 to 1,000, from 1,000 to 1,500. It's a process, and they're going finer and finer and finer. And they go from 1,500 to 3,000, from 3,000 to 4,000. Then finally, they'll come up to 6,000. Then they will wind up a 7,500 grit, depending on how mirror finish they wanted. And Lord, each one of them is getting higher and higher, but they're getting where they can see their image. Hallelujah. Because the grid of the sandpaper is getting so small that an average person would look at it and think, my, there's nothing on there. But yet to a trained eye and a trained field, they know they're getting out the small, minute scratches that was left. Each high time as they go higher, they're removing the scratches from the 400. So the 600 removes the scratches of the 400. Amen. The 800 removes the scratches of the 600. The 1,000 removes the scratches of the 800. On and on and on until they come to the very end when the final scratches are taken away. 
Then they take a small amount of rubbing compound with a, with a soft cloth. And they and then in the hand of one who knows what they're doing, they will rub and buff. It has now reached its mirror-like image. Then the man who's been working on it meticulously, rubbing and rubbing and rubbing through this long process, can now look down into this. And what started out as a dull piece of stainless steel now looks like a mirror hanging on the wall. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us, I pray, Father. Oh, Lord, when we're laying aside smoking and drinking and this and that, Lord, we started out with 40 grit and 60 grit and 80, but Lord, many of us ain't done those things for years and years. And we look and think, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not growing, I'm not changing, but Lord, the sandpaper's getting finer and finer. It tells us, Lord, we're getting close. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. How many wants that mirror-like finish in your life? Glory be to God where the Master can look into your life and see the reflection of Himself. It will take a slow, grueling process. Praise God. But He wants it and He will accomplish it. Because the age has got darker, he ain't lowered his standard. He wants the kind of bride, a holy, pure bride. That's exactly the bride he'll have. You believe it, church? Yes. God ain't gonna say, well, I'll tell you what, the age is so hard and this is so difficult. Maybe I, maybe I set my sights too high 2,000 years ago. I didn't realize it was gonna get so dark. And I said, that ain't my God. My God said his sight's exactly attainable for every age. There will be a people that will reach this mirror-like image of the Lord God Almighty. And I know who one of them is gonna be. Praise the Lord. Y'all know who one's going to be? If there ain't but one going, who's it going to be out of Happy Valley? Answer me. If there ain't going to be one but going, who's it going to be? You've got to have that faith that's going to be you. Exactly right. Sorry, Brother Donnie. I hate you're going to miss it, but it's going to be me. Because God ain't done all this sanding on me to leave me behind. You don't leave a piece of mirror hanging by for the tribulation period. I'm going to glory. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just worship Him a little, can we? Praise God. Let the Lord be able to create an expanse right here in your little world tonight. And maybe the heavy waters has so troubled you down. May the Lord be able to make a firmament. That'll be able to lift your burden. Oh, I know sometimes, friend, it can become so difficult that you think there's no way out. There's a way out. There's a way out. All he's got to do is speak, and the water's scared to death of him, and it leaves. Don't you know them waters that day on that bow of the ship whenever he was there, and he got up and rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and took him a minute to kind of get his bearings where he was whenever he stuck to the bow of the ship and said, Peace be still. They said, I've heard that voice before. <laughs> I've heard that voice before. Praise God, you believe he can speak that way to you tonight. Whatever your need is, why don't you just tap into his mercy? Let's worship him a little bit now as we sing together. Praise God. Yes, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just close our eyes and raise our hands into his presence. I need you, Lord Jesus. If nobody else here needs you tonight, Lord, I need you. 
I need you, Father. I get discouraged, Lord. I become weary. Oh, Father God, I pray you'd help me, Lord, in life's battles. Lord Jesus, bring your strength, your encouragement, Heavenly Father. We bow our knees. Yes, Lord God. Oh, we need you, Lord. We praise God. Everybody, with all your heart now, praise God. Let's just raise our hands and sing it together. Close your eyes. Forget who's around you. Lay your burdens on Him. Amen. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Thank you, Lord God. Praise God. Oh, I lift my hands. I lift my hands, Lord God. Lord, I bow my knees and for your goodness and mercy to us tonight Heavenly Father for what you mean to us oh God we love you with all of our hearts Lord Jesus we praise you Lord God thank you Father Brother Darrell maybe you can come and dismiss us by him sing a song in closing if you would thank you Jesus thank you Jesus praise the Lord you know, I was thinking, Brother Donnie's talking about Enoch walking into the cafeteria and sitting down at the table of Adam and began to ask him about some of the things that he saw. And 
I was wondering, I wonder when Enoch said he, he got to talking about walking with God and I got this feeling. And sitting there just saying, go, I realized what Enoch felt when he was talking to Adam is what you felt when Brother Donnie was talking about our home tonight. There's just something in our hearts that long for that place. Carry me home. The more you see, then life, the death is a friend to carry you home. Amen. We're not a defeated people. Our genetics tells us we're victorious. We have his eyes. We have his voice. We look just like him. Our genetics tells us that. What a privilege it is, friends. Our trials are great, sure, but our God is greater. Amen. And many times these things come into our lives just so he can come and show us just how big he is. What a privilege it is to serve him. What a privilege it is to eat from that tree, that paradise fruit. Not looking on the ground. You know, I got a little horse. You go out there and feed it, and it just got its head down in the bucket eating. But I'm glad we can look up. We can eat a higher fruit tonight. What a privilege we are, friends. No wonder the devil hates us. But he can't stop us. He cannot stop us. We're going home. We're going home. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just, Lord, I, I'm not a smart person. I, I don't have fancy words, Lord. I don't even know how to put them together. But, Lord, in my heart, I know what I feel, Lord. Something pulling me to a place that I've been before. We get so homesick for it, Lord. As your prophet said, there's a land beyond the river. There's just too much pointing to it for it not to be there. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for words of life. For life and death is in the power of the tongue, Lord. Thank you for the inspiration that's been given that we can speak your words of life, Lord. To bind and loose on the earth by the words of inspiration. How we thank you for it tonight, Lord. How we thank you for the word that we heard. Lord, just, we don't have words adequate enough to express our gratitude, Lord. But listen to our hearts tonight, God. For love has its own language. Thank you, Lord, for the word and those who was able to come, Lord, those streaming, let your presence go into their homes tonight, God, wherever they would be. May they just worship you and love you, Lord. Be with us as we travel home this evening, Lord, and may we, may we meditate upon the things that we've heard as we lay upon our beds tonight, Lord. Longing for that day that once again, you kiss us on the cheek good night. And we thank you for it, Lord. 
Bless the service in the morning, dear God. Watch over us as we travel up to Virginia, Father. We just give our lives into your hands for your glory, Lord. Go with your children now, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Donnie's labor to study and bring these things. Lord, re renew his strength, Father, we pray. We thank you for our brother, God. May you prosper him, Lord, and continue your hand be upon him. The meeting's coming up this week at the camp at different places, Lord, as we move towards Easter. May your presence be rich upon your pe people, we pray. We just love you, Lord, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Do you love him? Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Hallelujah. I'm going home. I'm going soon. I'm going where I belong. Hallelujah. Amen. I've always been a stranger here, but now I'm going home. Oh, sing it like you believe it. Amen. I'm going home I'm going soon I'm going where Hallelujah, hallelujah Yes, Lord I've always been stranger here. God bless you, saints. You're dismissed tonight in the fear of the Lord. May his blessings be upon you, be our prayer.
Oh 